Uh, we got a lot of work to do today, and we got to get to baptisms. And so would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet as we get ready to read God's Word together? We stand for the reading of God's Word to receive His Word and the power that it pours over our lives. But before we do that, can you do me a favor? Can you welcome everybody joining us in Ironton? Would you welcome online Megan in Wisconsin, Haley in Wisconsin, Bosco in Kettering, Jillian and Xenia and Jen that is online for here from baptisms. So good. So good. And uh, we also want to welcome anybody if it's your first time here on campus here at Beaver Creek. We are so glad that you have joined us today. And I want to dive right into Isaiah chapter 43. I'm going to start in verse 19. This is, this is what it says. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness in streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. To give drink to my people, my chosen, the people who I have formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Can we give thanks for the word of God today? Every year, uh, every year I have the theme for my, for my life uh, personally. Last year was spirit-led. Uh, this year is famous to my family. And I find that in my own life, when, when I have a theme, I'm able to focus on what God desires for me more so than if I didn't. And, and so we do this as a church. Every year, we have a new theme that we roll out uh, to help guide our thoughts, our focus, our mission for this next season. So two years ago was Be Bold. Last year was Be Expectant. And this year is, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you wait for the title uh, about a quarter of the way in. And so uh, I'm really pumped to share the new theme for this year as we dive into 2024. So would you pray with me, church, as we begin? God, we are grateful for the work that you're about to do. And we just pray in this moment that you would speak to our lives and our soul. And that you would do the work that only you can do. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray this. Amen. Amen. Hey, turn to two people and say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And you can be seated. Uh, many of you may not know this, but I actually uh, I grew up in Ohio, from Ohio, the great state of Ohio. Yeah, I love it. And... Uh, uh, Janelle and I have been married for nearly 20, almost 20 years now. It will be in August. And, and the majority of our marriage, we've actually lived outside of Ohio. So it was an absolute joy to come back to what feels like home for us. Uh, but, but there was this amazing thing that I was a part of, uh, a leadership cohort, that biannually I would come back to meet with leaders and pastors that just so happened to be in my hometown for the last five years. And so I had an opportunity to come back. And uh, there was one evening after one of these meetings, I thought, I would love to have a nostalgic drive to go through my hood, to go through my hometown. And uh, I am from Piqua, Ohio. Yes. Where dreams become reality. Get with it, guys. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I decided to go down Park Avenue. That's one of the main roads that goes down the street. And, and I remember as I was just turning onto Park Avenue, the old, old uh, long underwear factory that used to be there. In fact, the whistle would go off every noon, and that was our sign as kids to run home for lunch because lunch was ready. 
And, uh, and if you didn't know this, um, uh, Captain Underpants, the setting for Captain Underpants is Piqua, Ohio. And so we would have long underwear uh, parades. It was kind of, it was a lot of fun growing up. So I, so I remember seeing that uh, as a kid, which is now a memorial. And then I drove by our, our house that we grew up, grew up in 925 Park Avenue. And then uh, I passed what we called, it was a gas station, but we called it the Stop and Rob. And that is where I stole my first piece of bubble gum. And my mom made me return it. And the cashier was so high that he could have cared less that I stole a piece of bubblegum. But I'll never forget, she made me get behind that old station wagon and pray for God's forgiveness because I stole a piece of bubblegum. I remember old Buckeye Chuck stopping Rob. Such a good place. But then uh, I decided to, to go visit my sister. Now, I don't mean to bring the mood down for just a second, but uh, my youngest sister had Down syndrome and she passed away when she was eight months old from a heart disease that we weren't aware of. Uh, her name was Emily, and she was this beautiful little angel that we just absolutely adored and loved. And so I had not been up to her grave in a, in a long time. It had been decades since I'd been up there. And so I decided to go visit her. Now, if you are going to have a plot, this would be the plot that you would want in a gravesite because it has this beautiful tree that hangs over. It overlooks the lake. And uh, it's like, that's where, if I'm going to die, that's where I want to be. And uh, as I'm standing there visiting her, all of a sudden... I just had these waves of memories that started pouring over me. And I got to be honest, I was just crying like a baby. Because I can remember what it was like when she first died. And my parents, it seemed like we would go up every single day for the first month to go visit her. And my parents would stand over the grave and, and they would lament and they would embrace each other. And because, because we were kids and we were five, it was awkward. And so... I could see us going down to the lake, skipping rocks, and we were always trying to see who could get it on the other side of the lake. I remember what it was like growing up and having those amazing Christmases in that first house. In fact, we would have Christmas parties where people would come over and help decorate our tree because back then, we didn't have all these cool lights. We used popcorn and cranberries. Anybody remember this back in the day? Okay, maybe we were just poor. But when, when we were poor, we decorated our tree with cranberries and popcorn, which meant you thread a needle through popcorn and cranberries. And if you ever tried to poke a cranberry with a needle without a thimble, I think my mom was trying to punish us because my thumb was bleeding by the end of that. Great memories there. Uh, I, I remember my grandparents were always present and available. They were at every event. They were at every birthday party. But what I remember most is that, that my parents were the kind of people who stood firm in their faith, even at the loss of their daughter. As kids, I, I wouldn't have had a clue that my parents were going through a tragic loss, that they were probably battling depression and frustration and maybe even doubts with God. Because they maintained a level of faith that made me feel like everything was just right. And as I was having these memories and I was just crying there standing over the grave, uh, there was this moment where I realized, I, I just want to go back. Like they, they were feelings of, of joy and happiness and there was a sense of peace and comfort. But what I realized most was that, that these memories were giving me a sense of safety. And I just wanted to go back home. I wonder if you've ever had memories in your life that have given you the desire to go back to what once was. If I could say it like this, I think this is why we're all addicted to social media. This is what they know about us. Is you ever get those things that show up in your feed that say five years ago this day? 
Yeah, they do this with my kids all the time. In fact, here's Miles when he was a little itty bitty guy. And um, I look at that picture. I'm just like you. Oh, he's so cute. I want to go back to that day when he would still struggle with me because now he's a teenager and we just play video games and do our things, right? I want to go back to that day. What is it for you? What's that memory that keeps coming up? Was it a day out with your friends? Was it a vacation of a lifetime? Was it a graduation? Was it a major surgery? Was it the first date that you had? Maybe it was the day that you got married. Like, what's the memory that takes you back? In fact, I want to just do something really awkward with all of us in the room, okay? And and if you're watching online, I want you to do this too, because nobody's watching you, but I'm watching everybody else. I want us to just close our eyes for a second. And I want you to picture the fondest, memory that you have that takes you back to where you feel joy, peace, happiness, comfort, and safety. And as you live into that memory, I want you to hear me say this. You can't Stay there. You can't stay there. In fact, I want you to wake up. This is not like some hypnosis. I know you're new. Like, what is happening in the church? Turn to your neighbor next to you and say, you can't stay there. In fact, if you're online, put it in the chat today. If you're in Ironton, you can't stay there. You can't stay there. And this is why this is so important, church, because as I stood next to my sister's grave and I had all these memories that made me feel comfort and safety, I felt God's still small voice speak to me in this moment and said, Brad, you can't stay here. And what I realized was I was desiring comfort and safety in my life because what God was getting ready to do in our church and in my life as a leader was a new thing. But that new thing was a difficult thing. It was a hard thing. It was a messy thing. It's a season of my life that I, want, I never want to go back to. But what I also realized is God was saying to me in that moment, if you want to step into the new thing that I have for you, life, you can't sit back in comfort. You can't sit back in safety. You can't stay where you want to be if you're going to experience what I have for you in the future. And this is what I want to pour over your life today, is that God is getting ready to do a new thing in your life. But you can't stay stuck in safety. God's got plans for your life. He's got a future for your life. I believe that God wants to accomplish something through you. But that can't happen if you're stuck in comfort. God is doing a new thing in this season in your life. And I love that Isaiah doesn't say that God might do a new thing. Or that God's thinking about doing a new thing. Or that God in the future will someday do a new thing. It says right here in the Bible that God is doing a new thing. Which means right now, God is working in your life. Right now, God is moving in your life. Right now, God is engaged in your doubts and your fears and your dreams and your hopes. Right now, God is engaged in the redemption mission that he has for this world to save the world. Which means as God's people, we don't sit back and wait for what God is doing, but we step into the new future that he's got for us because we know that it's 
greater than what we can perceive or imagine, which means church, well, we got to move forward. I'm a little fired up. I've been saving it for you, 11 a.m. We have to move forward. And this is the theme for 2024. I've been telling our team and I've been telling our staff and I've been telling our hope team, everybody who serves in Ironton and here at Beaver Creek, listen, we can't keep talking about transition. We're a year and a half, almost two years into transition, and God has provided specific leaders and specific people at this time, at this place, for us not to sit back and wish for the days that were once was. But we're going to be God's people who move forward and take the next step that he is calling us into, which means we're going to be people of courage. We're not going to live like the world does, which sits back in safety, but we're going to move forward. We're going to be people who are believing that God is going to be doing a new thing. We're going to be relentlessly pursuing the advancement of God's kingdom. And we're going to become champions, champions of people's faith who are living out our passion and our purpose. Can I just define a champion for you? Because at Be Hope, our goal is for you to be a first church champion. We want you to be somebody who is leading in your faith. Can I just say, if you've been here longer than a month, God's desire is that you wouldn't be a consumer, but that you would be a contributor to what he's going to do. And God wants you to be a leader. I can hear some of you saying right now, well, PB, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. Good news. I'm going to speak to you at the end. I'm coming back for you. But I love, oh, my goodness. Hello. Sorry, I have ADD. I get distracted by things very easily. <laughs> but to move forward, we actually have to deal with one of our greatest struggles, which Isaiah addresses in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. Notice what he says to God's people and what he says to us today. He said, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. You're like, well, what are the former things, Pastor Brad? I'm so glad that you asked. Verse 16 and 17, it says this. This is what the Lord says. He who has made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget these former things and do not dwell on the past. We can't see this, but as Isaiah speaks to God's people about what he did in Egypt when he pulled them out of slavery, it's as though God's people are being lulled to sleep in this amazing dream of what God did in the past. And what's fascinating to me is they're dreaming about what God did in Egypt while they're still held captive in Babylon. They're dreaming about God pulling them out of, of slavery and into freedom from Egypt, but yet they're still slaves in Babylon. And, and memories aren't a bad thing when it gets you through heartbreak. But memories become a bad thing when it keeps you stuck in tragedy. If I could say it like this, not dreaming will cost you your destiny. But dreaming and not taking your first step will also cost you your destiny. And in this moment, Isaiah is speaking to God's people because what he sees for them is that they're on the cusp of stepping into the freedom out of Babylon, but they aren't willing to let go of the past. 
They're not willing to let go of what keeps them comfortable. You see, they've built enough prosperity in Babylon that they would rather play it safe than to step into the wilderness and the new thing that God is calling them to. And Isaiah says, Yo, forget those former things. And we don't, we don't get this, but, but Isaiah didn't say it like that. When Isaiah said, forget the former things, he's saying, wake up. Scared you, didn't I? <laughs> wake up. Some of you, wake up. Get out of the dream. Like, get out of thinking about the past and wake up to the new future that I have for you. You can't keep hanging on to what was. If I can say it like this, when I was deployed in 2003 to Baghdad International Airport, uh, we didn't have all the amenities now like we do uh, in the service. We didn't have our own little uh, trailers with video games. We barely had internet and we wrote letters to communicate, okay? I lived in a GP medium tent with eight people head to head, cot to cot every single day. You know what we did for fun? Three things. We watched The Sopranos because we had one TV and one DVD. <laughs> we, we read books or we took a nap. Now, I loved taking naps. Anybody here love taking naps? Look at you guys. You know what's coming next today before you party hard. I love taking naps because it pulled me out of this reality that I was in the middle of a combat zone. And so one day during lunch on break, I am dreaming away about the new Jeep that I'm going to buy when I get back. I'm dreaming about what Christmas is going to be like when I get I'm dreaming about the first meal that I'm going to eat when I get back, which was Subway, by the way. <laughs> I'm having this dream, and, and all of a sudden it took a shift. Have you ever had this dream where it, you, you feel like you're trying to run from somebody, but... Your legs feel like they're 100 pounds. Anybody have this dream where it's like, you're like, <sighs> are you with me on this? Yeah, I was having this dream, but it wasn't running. I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I couldn't catch a breath. I felt like I was suffocating. And all of a sudden, I wake up out of this dream, and I am gasping for air. I'm like, <gasps> and I look around, and all my battle buddies are laughing at me. Because what I did not know was that my friend, while I was sleeping, had pinched my nose. <laughs> now, you would think naturally you would open your mouth, but apparently I didn't. And so I'm literally in my dream suffocating because my best friend has got my nose plugged. And when I woke up, he said, get up. We got work to do. We got things to get done. And when Isaiah says, forget the former things, it's as though he is pinching the nose of God's people to say, yo, wake up. There are some things in your life that need to die. There are some things in your life that you're holding on to that are, that are, that are suffocating you that need to go. Can I just ask you today, what does God need to pinch your nose from? For just a few seconds. Not that he wants you to die. But what are the things that, that are holding you back that you need to let go of? Who in the room at this moment is, is stepping into the familiar because it's easy? Who's avoiding God's voice because his voice makes you uncomfortable? Who's blaming God's timing 
when the problem is your tenacity? Who's blaming, who's blaming God for, for all the problems in their life when they won't even take ownership of the decisions that they've made? If I could say it like this, who's, who's, who's looking for God to do a really big thing in your life? But you aren't even willing to take the first step. Who is using the excuse of, I'm going to be still because you have a fear. You have a fear of moving forward. Uh, can, I, can I just illustrate it? Let's get out of the heavy for a second. Can I illustrate it like this? How many of you have ever heard of the uh, sigmoids curve? How many of you have heard of this? Wow, look, oh, look at all my high schoolers. This is amazing. Well, the rest of you, it's time to go to school for a few seconds. Here's, here's the natural tendency for every organization. Now, think about it this way. You have this natural growth that happens, and then you flatline. And then eventually what happens in organizations is they decline over time. Now, here's the fascinating thing about Sigmoid's Curve. Is the moment that an organization begins to decline, do you know what, do you know what people do? Do you know what leaders do? They, they want to go, go back to the strategies and the systems that gave them the growth in the beginning. And what happens as they go back and they hold on to the practices that they had before, it actually increases the decline of their company faster because they went back to the old things. See, see, if, if you wanna grow a company, if you wanna grow an organization, you don't go back to the old systems. You have to do a new thing. You've got to do something. You have to reinvent yourself. You have to start over. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to get outside of the box. If I could say it this way, nostalgia never paved the way for anything new. And when God begins to speak into your life about the new thing that he is taking you to, you can't step into the new thing when you're hanging on to the old things in your life. You can't have your hand on the plowshare and take in the harvest while you're looking back at the rows that you just created. You can't step into the promised land that God has for you when you have a desire to go back to the very thing that held you captive and in slavery from the beginning. And what I need you to hear this day is that God is doing something something new in you today. There's a new day. There's a new way. There's a new opportunity. It's a new year. God is doing a new thing. And you got to let go of the old thing. You got to let go of the old thing. And this is how we do it. I love it. Verse, uh, verse 19. Let's go back to it. God said, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you not perceive it? Where does God call his people to? Do you notice he doesn't call them to, to candy land? <laughs> he doesn't call them to Winterfest at King's Island. Like, this is not sugar plums and gumdrops. This is not easy, cheesy, cotton candy Christianity that God is calling them into. <laughs> well, that works too. Thank you very much. I appreciate your braveness. Thank you. God is calling them into the wasteland. And I need you to hear this because this is really important. The wasteland biblically represents the place where God feels distant, 
but he's actually doing some of his greatest work. Do you hear me on that, church? The wasteland is the place where God seems like he's distant, but he's actually doing his greatest work. And what God is calling you into is that if you want to step into the new thing that he has for you, you're going to have to brave the wilderness. You're going to have to step into the wasteland. See, you can't see what you aren't willing to step into. And this is why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. We intentionally create an absence in our lives so that we can experience God's presence in a more powerful way. Let me say it this way. In 21 days of prayer and fasting, if you've never done this before, let me say it this way. It stinks. Because you are intentionally creating a wasteland where you may not see God, but that's exactly where God wants to meet you. It's exactly where God wants to meet you. It's where he's doing his greatest work. I love Lindsay's story today. It was at 21 days of prayer and fasting where she created an absence of her own security, a wasteland, in order for God to give her a new future where she could be present to her kids and she could live into the calling that God had given her. And the struggle for God's people in this moment is that when God creates streams in the wasteland, the reason he asked, can you not perceive it? is because he knows their history. He knows for 40 years, they were walking in circles around the desert. And somebody was like, I see a stream. And then they walked out to it and they realized, no, it's not a stream, it was an optical illusion. It really was just heat radiating off the face of the earth, giving us a mirage that there's water when there's really not. For 40 years, they walked the desert. And the moment that God said, I'm building streams in the wasteland, I bet they were like, yeah, we'll watch from a distance. See, you can't get perspective of what God is doing in your life from a distance, which means you actually have to take a first step to see the new thing that God wants to do. See, every new thing that God is doing needs a first step. You have to move forward. Think about it this way. How many of you have ever been in the woods? The real woods, not the Beaver Creek woods. <laughs> like the woods where it's so dark you can't see in front of your face. Look at you guys. You guys are experienced travelers up here. So dark you can't see in front of your face. When I lived in Kansas, uh, I had a wonderful friend who let me hunt his property. And uh, he set up the stand for me. It was amazing. And the stand was about 300 yards out. But it was always in the pitch black. Think about it like this. I couldn't see the stand, but I had a general idea of where it was. I couldn't see the streams, but I had a general idea of where it was. Now, I would get out of my car, and if you're a good hunter, you don't use a flashlight, okay? Can I just say that? I know I just offended a few people in this room. But what that also means is that you can't see four feet in front of you. You can't see the path that's before you. And it's a little scary when the coyotes are doing their thing. Oh. And you feel like a little puny little guy walking out into the woods. And they're howling and they're watching you. And you know that they could eat you at any second. Like, if I could say it this way, every time I would go hunting, I was afraid. 
because I couldn't see what was in front of me. But, but here's what that taught me, was that, that every time I would take just one step forward, when I would take just one next step, all of a sudden I could see the path in front of me that wasn't visible before. And see, some of you, what you expect when God is doing something new in your life is you want his plans right now. You want God to reveal the full future of what he's asking you to step into in this moment. And sometimes when God has plans for you, plans to prosper you, it doesn't mean that you get to know everything that's going to happen along the way. What God wants from you in this moment to help you see the future is for you to take just one next step and the path becomes visible that wasn't visible before. You see, every time God's doing a new thing, he needs just one step from you. Can I tell you why that matters? Because one next step in obedience leads to multiple next steps where God is going to prosper you. I know this, uh, this will be kind of a sensitive subject here in the room for some of you. But how many of you have heard of the prosperity gospel? Oh, thank God. Whew. I'm glad there's not a lot of you in this room. Uh, well, let me just warn you now for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, there's this thing called the prosperity gospel where you see these televangelists on TV and they say, if you just send me $99 of a one-time payment... I'll give you a new house, a new spouse, a new car, a new pool. I'll give you new everything, and, and your life and faith will be perfect for the rest of your life. Can I tell you? It's a scam. It's like those people that send you text messages. Click this link here. No. Okay? And over time, what has happened in the church is this word prosperity gospel has gotten a bad rap. It's almost like... Uh, it's become a cuss word in the church. But I want to ask you this. What about the gospel? What about the good news of Jesus Christ doesn't want you to prosper? I mean, have you thought about this? Like, we don't like the word prosperity gospel, but the word gospel means the good news of Jesus Christ. What about what Jesus has done for you doesn't prosper you? Like when God died on the cross for your sins? Like I'm pretty sure when you can experience a new kind of freedom in your life, that's the kind of prosperity that he wants for you. When, when Jesus was raised from the grave, it wasn't just about him coming back to life, but it was about the kind of life that he wanted in you, which means that you have a calling. You have a purpose. And when you know those things in your life, guess what? Isn't that prosperity? Like, every time I open God's word, do you know what God's word does in your life? It pushes you. It pokes you. It prods you. It, it, it's uncomfortable at times. But every time you step into God's word, the good news of Jesus Christ, it moves you forward. And here's what's amazing. As we were choosing our theme for this year, we move forward. I was reading a book, and as I was reading this uh, one particular page, it said, it said the word prosperity in Hebrew means to move forward. Ain't that just like the Lord? <laughs> I mean, you cannot make that up. Like we were trying to decide, should we move forward? Is that the theme? 
And then I read this, prosperity means we move forward. Some of you haven't, haven't grasped this yet, but God wants to prosper you. God's greatest desire in your life is to move you forward. Can I say it this way? God wants to move you forward in that disjointed and disconnected relationship with your kids. God wants to move you forward in places of your life where you need a deep healing. God wants to move you forward with the people that you know you need to reconcile with. All my friends up here that are dating in high school, can I tell you? God wants to move you forward in the relationships that you have in a way that is honorable and pure before God. God wants to move you forward in the financial debt and stress that you find yourself in. God's greatest desire in this life is that you would be somebody who is so obedient to the future and the new thing that he has that you would move forward because God's greatest desire is to prosper you. And you want to be the kind of person who is relentlessly pursuing the kind of prosperity that God wants to pour in your life, which means you're ready. It means you're available. It means you're on time. It means you're showing up. It means I want to be a champion. I want to be a leader. I want to be passionate about the kind of purpose that God has put in front of me because I know that God, God's got plans to prosper me in a future that leads me to change, not just my life, but the lives around me. Amen. Some of you are like, how do I do that this year? I love this word that God has given me. It has been speaking to my soul in, in, in powerful ways. In fact, as I was reading it uh, yesterday, this is the word that God gave me. 40, uh, Isaiah 43, verse 10, it says this. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen. Do you know what spoke to me in that moment? Was that God has already chosen me. God has already chosen you. And, and what I love is that it is hard for us to understand that God has already chosen you because we live in a world that you have to prove yourself worthy in order to be chosen. If you've ever been in a job interview, you get this. You have to prove that you have the skill set in order to get the job, to be chosen. Uh, if you've gone on a first date, you have to prove that you're good enough to go on a second date. If you tried out for a team, you, you have to prove that you have the gifting to show that you're good enough to make the team. Uh, if you've ever been on jury duty, oh my, God bless each and every one of you. I know that it's part of our civil duty. It's also a painful experience, okay? But in jury duty, you don't just show up because you got a summons. You have to prove yourself worthy to sit on the council. And, and what I realize when it comes to God is you don't have to prove yourself worthy because God has already chosen you to be his greatest witness. Can I say it this way? Um, 
God doesn't need you to choose him to be God. God desires for you to choose him so that you can be a witness to the new thing that he is doing. <laughs> I'm doing a new thing. And I've chosen you to be a witness to declare before all of the world the new thing that I'm about to do. That is what God is calling you to. He's chosen you to do that. The question I need to ask you in this new year is this. What would it look like for you to choose God in 2024? And I don't mean the kind of choosing God where you're like, yes, he's my savior, and now I come to church every week, and I sit in a chair, and I'm really comfortable, and I never do a single thing. I mean, what would it look like for you to choose God to the point that you actually become not just a consumer, but you become a leader, a leader in the movement that he's already started? It really bugs me when people say, well, Pastor Brad, I'm not a leader. Well, the problem is not that you aren't a leader. The problem is that you haven't chosen, you haven't chosen to be a leader. God has already chosen you. He said, you are my servant. You are my witnesses. You are a leader for the work that I'm about to do. But you have to choose that. Which means what would it look like for you to choose to be a leader, men, for your family in this next season? I want a generation. I, I want fathers and I want men in the house of God that are showing their families the way forward. What would it look like for you to choose God in your family? What would it look like for you to choose God when you step into the classroom tomorrow? Well, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe next week. What would it look like for you to lead students around you to show them what life could look like? What would it look like for you to choose God in the middle of addiction when you feel like giving up? What would it look like for you to choose God in every area of your life? God doesn't want passive people who sit by and wait for heaven. God desires people who are ready to stand up and be champions for the kind of faith that he desires to see in this church. Can I tell you, we want to be somebody's first church. We want to see people come to faith who have never experienced God in their life. But it takes people who are willing to be champions to be witnesses to what God is doing. And that's you. Church, in the new year, in this next year, the new thing that God is going to be doing is I need new leaders. I need people who are willing to say, I choose God in every area of my life. And I'm ready to step up. I'm ready to move forward. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet with me in this moment? What does it look like for you to choose God in this next year? Uh, for some of you in this room, uh, you, you can't perceive who God is or what he is doing because you've yet to choose him. And today as we step into this new year in 2024, there is nothing more that would make God happier than for today you to choose him for the first time in your life. And in addition to that, I wonder what it would look like for you to publicly come forward today and proclaim your new destiny and future, the prosperity that God seeks in your life for the first time through baptism. Baptism is this opportunity where we put to death the old things and we step into the new thing that God has for our lives. And today we're gonna witness a number of people have chosen God for the first time in their life and they're putting to death what once was. 
so they can step into the new thing that God has. I, I don't know if, if that's you today, but if it is you today, make this the time where you let go and you move forward for what God has. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you acknowledge that he was raised from the grave, you will be saved. And so today we pray this prayer collectively as a church. We pray it together as some of you may pray it for the first time. And if you do, we would love today to celebrate your new life in Christ through baptism. Let's pray this. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins. And he was raised from the grave so that I may have life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. 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 Happy New Year. Be hope.